0: So from the get-go, we understood ourselves as a protocol. We started with an app. In the first months we built an app because we believe in product based protocol design. So one should first have a product in mind, have maybe a few users and see what kind of value they can have from that product and only then start developing the protocol around that. Otherwise, you end up spending a whole lot of engineering hours developing something that maybe no one wants or likes or that has some kind of conceptual flaw that you don't discover because you don't have users. So we are very strong believers in product-led protocol design. So we first designed an app and then we sought ways of decentralizing first the protocol
1: itself. Welcome to Web3 on Fire, where we take you on an inspiring journey through the ever evolving world of Web3. In each episode, our host Rob delves into the heart of the latest innovations in decentralized technology, including account abstraction, smart accounts, aka smart contract wallets, and the future of work in the Web3 ecosystem. Welcome everyone. Today on the pod, we have Conrad from Peanut Protocol. Peanut Protocol is a really interesting way to send crypto via links. They have a really easy way to integrate it both with their front end, as well as permissionless SDK, as well as deploy it with no API keys, which is super exciting. We had an awesome chance to meet with them at ETH Denver and do an activation back this last year. So had a lot of fun doing that activation and there's a great case study, actually at the testimonial right on their website, anyone who wants to check it out, but really excited to have you on the pod today.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. And yes, it was really exciting to do some real life airdrops with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was really fun physically airdropping, sending peanuts at people's heads. <laughs> People love free Exactly. Money and free snacks. It would be really cool just to understand exactly um, who Conrad is and where you kind of got into tech in particular, and then maybe uh, who or what project green-pilled you into crypto, and then also about Peanut and how that came together with you and your co-founder as well. Uh, Welcome to the pod.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Yeah. Happy to give you my crypto story, how I got into it. So about me. I am the co-founder, I'm a co-founder of Feenet Protocol and yeah, our idea is to make sending tokens super easy, buttery smooth and yeah. (laughs) So how I got into crypto, that's a really, really interesting and funny question because believe it or not, the first time I learned about crypto was in a philosophy department at my university. I was doing undergraduate studies, I did philosophy. And there was a reading group with a bunch of very nerdy postdocs and PhD students called Smart Contracts. And this was in 2014. And they were discussing the future of jurisprudence and what the relationship between computer programs and law could be and how institutions could be shaped in decentralized ways through automated contract execution and so on. We were there sitting there reading Nick Sabo's smart contract paper, parts of italics, uh, white or maybe yellow paper, I don't remember. And all of that sound very futuristic and fascinating. And I got into it a little bit. I installed a few miners on my own computer, obviously being a little bit of a noob. I downloaded some viruses along the way, got awfully burnt on that, decided it was either to immature technology or just full of scammers. So never touched it again for maybe, yeah, like eight years or something. And then I was lucky enough to join the startup world, my career startup when COVID hit. And yeah, and one of our angels, there was one of the big brains from the Ethereum foundation and somehow that got me more and more interested. And I saw that it was finally an ecosystem that was well-developed and that actual people were building actual companies and institutions on top of it, rather than it just being some kind of fever dream of a bunch of crypto anarchists and hardcore libertarians. Yeah, f- from the Internet. <laughs> so I mean, there's
1: definitely a transition point where it wasn't just DGENs and people that deeply had that ethos in mind, but rather people that could see value and there was everyday value or a transactional type or true value being added to these dApps and these various projects. So uh, about what time was that for you that you said, okay, this is something I'm interested in again, and it was this kind of DeFi summer times or... Just after, so when Terra Luna crashed, I was like,
0: okay, this is probably a good moment to get into it because kind of, I saw it from the sidelines and I definitely saw that there was a bubble and I just, I'm not, yeah, I am, I, it wasn't very interesting to me personally, just to be part of this speculative bubble and pass the hot potato, just not my kind of vibe. And I thought there are some interesting use cases starting off with cross-border transfers, easy payments, tokenization, decentralized systems of governance, arbitration, very, very interesting, started deep diving into that. And then at some point, one of the big pain points was, okay, it just seems like we're in this world where it resembled the nineties, the late nineties and early noughties with email where, okay, you can set up your own email client, but you have to understand what SMTP or POP3 is, and you have to understand what a port is and how to like download and configure Thunderbird or Outlook. It all seemed very manual and very hacky. And to me, it just seemed from the get-go that things like wallet addresses, chains, and all these technicalities should be infrastructure that is tucked away from the end user and their experience. And then at some point we, yeah, we came up with peanuts as one of the ways of solving at least some of these huge, hugely unnecessarily complex, yeah, tech
1: things. Yeah, I love, (laughs) I love the butter analogy and Nick Grossman's thesis on that. So your blog post mentioning that was just really fun. And that idea of crypto needing to have a butter moment as the internet and early internet email had at a point where all of a sudden you could use email via the web because there was finally a web technology, Ajax, that was able to make it as buttery smooth as the desktop apps were. And then also use cases, usability, UX, and all of that coming um, to head. Do you think we are in the butter moment for crypto? There's definitely still sticking points, but there are certainly experiences uh, like peanut protocol that are striving for that advanced DNUX. Uh, so where do you think we are holistically right now?
0: I think, yeah, we are at the inflection point probably. of. So I think there, is the, there are these waves of bundling and unbundling in tech. So some new technology emerges and then it's quite complex to use. And then new use cases emerge. And then people bundle these common use cases up into one experience. So OpenSea is a perfect example of that. Or Coinbase, where before that it was quite clunky to actually buy stuff. Mt. Gox, even before that, was also a very good experience, like a bundling thing. And just take the 90% of common experiences and just bundle them into one thing. I think we are there where the tech should be ready for onboarding has become very easy, not always secure, <laughs> but very easy. Most wallets can onboard with a few clicks to get you started and will push any kind of backups or things like that much later in your journey, which is fine. And yeah, I think we have, we are there where it's relatively well bundled, but still We have to extract a bunch of things away. So I think the next contestants are wallet addresses, as you might see from our project at Peanut, but also chains. I think, broadly speaking, all L2s are similar-ish. People don't really care about the intricacies of fraud proofs or whether it, it uses ZK or some other thing. Crypto Twitter cares a lot, but I think we have a very small niche and it's not... The case that you have to be that to be an L2, you have to be from some special region of France, <laughs> I think that's another thing that needs to be abstracted away where it's like, it's just chains. It's just a way to hold something. So like people don't care about that. There's something as a JPEG or PNG, most of the time, most of the time you shouldn't care whether your USDC is on MISMO Arbitrum. And yeah, I would like to know what percentage of people actually knows the technical differences between these architectures, very few, probably. So that's one thing that needs to be extracted away. And then the other one, stable coins, right? A buck is a buck. And again, I don't think most people care or know about the intricacies of the composition of USDC, USDT, DAI, and all the other ones. Very similar concepts. Yeah, I guess so
1: inside baseball and so technical where you have to know jargon and it's almost meant to be obscure for that reason because it hasn't been abstracted into something more usable language and communication that's easy to understand and such. So it's also interesting you mentioned crypto Twitter wallets and the front ends and such. So it's almost right now we have a bunch of disparate parts of the bundling. So we have onboarding and wallets figured out. Maybe we have some social, but also it's all over the place. And almost that there should just be like the internet. You go to the internet and use it a variety of different flavors. But right now it does feel as if there's another inflection point, almost what Yup or Warpcast or even Twitter or X is trying to do with the everything app. So bringing suddenly this experience where you have Uh, millions of users, similar to what Reddit did by turning on a token (laughs) behind the scenes. Suddenly you had millions of crypto users that really didn't care whether it was crypto or not. A group did overall, but it's interesting. Where do you see the future going? Will it be wallets or will it be these holistic social sites that end up being this all-in-one or is it going to be more of of the DAP catalog or just your front homepage that's personalized for you?
0: Yeah, sure. Really good question. As much as I love futurology, I won't make any bet on any of these. But I think one thing that people tend to oversee with the super app concept is that I think here's what happens when people start being dreamy about the super apps. They go to China, they experience WeChat, and then they think, why are we so fragmented? Like, Why in the Western world is everything in all these places? Why are are these all different companies and so on? And wouldn't it be such nice UX to have everything in one place? And I think that's slightly wrong thinking because, well, there was a huge government push for uh, WeChat to happen and to be one thing. There's a very strong vested interest of the Chinese government, which controls its citizens to have one place where these people interact. And that kind of incentive or structure or, I don't know, thing just isn't present in, in Western countries. And one might, may, may ask what's, what's better for the end user? And I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely a big difference. So super apps are a very challenging concept because you, you have to just be very good at one, everything. And I think without a direct government intervention to force everyone to use one thing, they're rather unlikely. So we very rarely see this in the free markets where you would suddenly have one monopolistic. Saying when there's no need to. There's a reason why we have Instagram and LinkedIn. <laughs> they're, they're just different. They're addressing different needs in different markets. Um, but yeah, uh, so I think same with crypto. And yeah. so, sorry, one last one. Like with crypto, it's even more so because the database is unbundled from the app itself. So I don't see why there would just be a farcaster or just a lens or whatever. You'll probably have apps that will combine the data set, pull the data from both or something, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting, this concept of the open protocols and the true interoperability between them. Um, there is a great post by Tor- or Corey Doctorow, the author and blog writer about and technologist regarding the insidification inch- of the internet and that very specifically those large tech companies being able to sway behavior, sway information so that the interoperability between apps that could cross post between or pull in all of your messaging from Instagram to LinkedIn in one app, it doesn't help them overall. And because there are six individual monopolies, even within the same, they're easy to be able to coordinate their values in order to make and take action collectively even though they're still large monopolies essentially but it's really exciting when it comes to crypto is that within that talk even he said the word interoperability a million times and that's exactly what crypto and web3 is striving towards as a whole and public open databases with open protocols for interacting with that database or with that data and then that ability to pick your flavor for how you want to interact with that information, just as you mentioned, like the LinkedIn version, where also I would want filters on my information, what data does go to the LinkedIn variety versus the one that my friends and I share our creative project or what have you. So yeah, that's definitely an exciting space. And I think maybe the personalization and AI maybe has a place in there where help help helping to surface those protocols, those front ends that make sense for how I want to imbibe information or all of that, because it, it really does need to be personal and it's not going to be X that does it. I'm sure maybe for some users, but not for all. And certainly not for me.
0: Absolutely. And there's definitely incentive misalignment between protocols these that uh, ad companies like. Facebook or Twitter or any of the other ones that are free, and you as an end user, <laughs> because yeah, <it> doesn't yeah, <laughs> the the amount of hours we spend in, on our phones, <laughs> and I've never met anyone who says, oh, I I want to spend more time on my phone. <laughs> so yeah. yeah,
1: nice. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how Peanut Protocol is interoperable and working as a protocol to be open and aligning those values overall?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So from the get-go, we understood ourselves as a protocol. We started with an app. In the first months, we built an app because we believe in product-based protocol design. So one should first have a product in mind, have maybe a few users, and see what kind of value they can have from that product. And only then start developing the protocol around that. Otherwise you end up spending a whole lot of engineering hours developing something that maybe no one wants or likes, or that has some kind of conceptual flaw that you don't discover because you don't have users. So we are very strong believers in product-led protocol design. So we first designed an app and then we sort ways of decentralizing first the protocol itself. So some important features of peanut are that we're non-custodial. So you can transfer funds with peanut. So I can send you 10 bucks without knowing your wallet address. can um, put 10 bucks onto a peanut link, but never does peanut or the team behind peanut have ever access to these ones. So it's non-custodial. It's trustless because we have It's all smart contract based and anyone can interact with the smart contracts directly. You don't need our front end or our app for that. It's permissionless. So you can use our SDK, just do NPM install and get going. You don't need to ask anyone for any permission to do. And we also are open source and we really appreciate any kind of contributions on our GitHub we have a ton of issues that are listed, so PRs are always welcome, but also bug reports and so on are um, public um, if they're not high severity, so that we can work on them together. And we really would like to create a community around it that is open source. And then finally, Peanut is a transfer abstraction protocol, so transfer abstractions, our way of saying, okay, we want to abstract away any of these technicalities surrounding uh, token transfers. So it is intrinsically interoperable with, for example, bridges and swaps. So we recently released an experimental feature where you can deposit 10 bucks, 10 USDC on Optimism, but the recipient can choose where they want to claim it, right? So they can claim USDT on Arbitrum or something and whatever token and whatever chain they prefer. And That is the abstraction part, but it's also interoperable with all these bridges, bridge aggregators, swapping mechanisms and so on.
1: That's awesome. Clearly it's very important, the user feedback side, and it sounds like as well, the working with community to improve the product over time. What is the state of the community currently, is there a community that's talking regularly on Discord, or is it more in the form of the open source community contributing to the product directly on GitHub? Um, And what is your dream for both of those sides or even more as, as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a steady inflow of people joining our Discord, which always surprises me because all that happens there is reposting really stale memes. And we recently opened up our they were always open and open source but maybe they weren't like welcoming enough there weren't very good readmes there weren't like clear instructions on how to contribute we recently started opening up um, our github repos such that anyone can just go in and get started on something and we're hoping to attract more and more contributors
1: that's awesome right now where are you doing the user testing is it just within the community and just looking for anybody that's willing to go give that feedback?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have two levels of user testing. One is just the app where we always welcome feedback, but most importantly, we integrate with other projects. So if you're a wallet, maybe an app, and you want to have this send with link feature, it's primarily useful for wallets. You can just integrate our SDK. And just by integrating SDKs, our SDK, uh, whether it's at a hackathon or just in your own time, that's always very useful feedback. So if you are one of the integrative and you have never uh, reached out to us, please do. Um, as I mentioned, we are permissionless, so we have no tracking you, um, but please tell us uh, because we love to improve. And yeah, we, with those who have docs themselves as integrative, we have a very close relationship and we use, we offer them, not only tech support, but also quite often contribute to the code base directly.
1: Nice. another piece to that too, the contribution is the bug bounty side. So incentives for actually locating some severe or a range of severity overall, but how has that been as a success in also finding maybe people that also might be contributor to, to less, uh, to features rather than to bugs. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So we had quite a successful, I would
0: say, bug bounty program. So we had primarily low severity bugs on the SDK and on the front end. And these were usually reported very swiftly and payouts were made within hours usually. And we also had one high severity bug. Fortunately, it didn't affect anyone and it couldn't really affect anyone for more than one transfer. But... That was, it was really great to see people from the security community actually, sorry, from, yeah, from the security community actually reading all these smart contracts with such diligence and such care for detail. Yeah, that, that's just amazing. <laughs> that is awesome.
1: Yeah. You mentioned hackathons too, and building against, have you done any in-person hackathons or have they been online? and then also the event space and the event side, because it's such a physical experience to, to that, the ease of use with just the QR code and that crypto with links. Yeah. Let, tell me a little absolutely. more about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of our most successful things is in fact you be taking QR codes for the project. So if you're a project that has their own token, or maybe wants to just do a subtle airdrop of USDC or whatever, but wants users to share the email address or maybe get redirected to your onboarding flow, then you can just create peanut links and distribute them at conferences. And that's exactly what's been happening for the past few conferences. So at ETH Lisbon, we were even an official partner, we were the ones behind the testnet token distribution. If you've ever been to a hackathon, it's always super annoying to get all those testnet tokens from these like obscure L2s, but everyone always needs them because they want to deploy to these L2s because they have found it. <laughs> and we made the onboarding super easy there by just giving out these cards, but it's also really nice for raising awareness of your own brand As at East Denver. Ambuyer Wallet distributed a bunch of peanut packs with QR codes in partnership with us, and these actually had a 50% conversion rate, so 50% of the packs got claimed and onboarded users not just to claim the funds, but actually onboarded these people as Ambuyer Wallet users. So these people installed the wallet and and were able to claim their funds that way. and. Yeah, that's a 50% conversion rate. Is If you're a marketer, you know that this was just insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: incredible success, especially with crazy power user group, getting free swag all day long as a whole and being generally inundated. So having something fun that was different. <clears throat> I really love the distribution of the testnet token use case and even rewards or prizes at the end of things because it's already set there. You don't have to think and worry about the wallet and setting up the funds or sending them after the fact. It's it's proof positive right there. That would be really cool if you just gave a product overview from a user's perspective or from an organizer's perspective or an organization's perspective of what is it like to set up one of these links and then what does it look like to actually claim one?
0: Sure, it's super easy. You go to slash and you click, you choose the token and you choose the chain and then you choose the amount and you click send. <laughs> and that generates a link that you can copy paste to Telegram chat, to WhatsApp, or on TikTok, <laughs> anywhere you like, email. And then uh, that can just be claimed gaslessly by the recipient. Um, the recipient just clicks the link, clicks claim. So that way you don't have to have this annoying conversation every time of, Hey Rob, what's your wallet address? Oh, would you prefer USDC or is it okay if it's an optimism? And and this whole annoying conversation falls apart, especially with our experimental stream feature because now I can just send you 10 bucks and you can claim in whichever chain, in whichever token you prefer. And I don't need to have this annoying (laughs) back and forth with you or what's worse, get, see that you prefer something that I don't have. And then me manually having to go to a bridge and swap and waste time on that.
1: Yeah. And the ease of use is just obviously incredible too, but what about front-running attacks and the fact that there's an amount of money deployed? Clearly there's some technology and you all have worked to, to eliminate those kind of errors or security issues. You want to just talk a little bit about that? And is that part of the abstraction as a whole and some of the wallet technology? Yeah, we'd love to learn more. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the way Peanut works is, in fact, non-frontalable. And that, I think, one of the big innovations we bring to the space, because there have been projects that tried sending with links, but usually they had to be centralized or had to deploy a new smart contract every time both of which are undesirable. Smart deploying a smart contract is undesirable because of gas and being centralized is undesirable full stop. <laughs> also because it's custodial uh, in that case, which means that integrating with such a protocol, which I still use a protocol, integrating with such a product would be a trust issue. They could rug you and so on. There are some new players out there who started integrating claim links. One exciting one is Timo. Another one is Beam, which actually use, who could use peanut under the hood. The way it works with peanut specifically is non front runnable, but non custodial because we generate a key pair for every transaction. And then the public key that goes onto the public blockchain, but the private key that is generated only on the front end on the local machine of the end user, and that gets sent via Telegram or WhatsApp, and it never touches the blockchain. And now that private key can be used as proof that you are the the correct recipient. It matches the public key and signs a message for you uh, that could be only done with that public key, which prevents front-running and is whilst being non-custodial
1: yeah and it's such a cool mix of solving problems that we had and then it unlocking a new an actual new feature a new product a new set of values that we don't have to worry about the two biggest things of both trust and centralization as a whole mm-hmm. exactly um, there's you mentioned earlier posting stale memes but i would say that peanut has a lot of culture and i love your general posts as a whole so there's some youthful playfulness that isn't necessarily the straight web 3 90s brutalist (laughs) type of design so i love just to understand exactly why so playful why did you choose that route in particular sure really good question so i think the peanut guy our
0: mascot And generally, the whole brand is supposed to show ease, like it's easy and yeah, it should be easy and everything should be easy and friendly. Crypto isn't like quite often crypto is more like a dark, and I don't mind dark. I really like that aesthetic, but it's just in contrast with this dark, futuristic kind of matrix style vibe, which is a really, really cool vibe. And we just want to contrast the kind of this you can imagine this kind of cyberpunky wires out like service running in the background tech everywhere technocracy and that's which is a very cool vibe but then you have this derpy silly peanut guy who just comes along and just lets you send peanut like trivially <laughs> it's like no, the dumbest it, but... thing <laughs> but it's super memorable it's worked super well and We are a B2B white label product. So as long as all the founders and CTOs and CPOs remember us, we're super happy. The end users don't have to particularly get trust or think that it's a big new thing. In fact, when I showed my parents what I was up to, they asked me, Oh, you have a new startup. What are you doing? I showed them our website and they were convinced it was some kind of video game or some silly cartoon for children. And then I explained to them that it was about payments and payment infrastructure, not even just payments, payments infrastructure.
1: They didn't want to believe me. And they just like walked out. <laughs> they were like, no, stop mocking us. <laughs> this is ridiculous. No, I love it because you took something that is, as you mentioned, B2B could be taken as non-personal in the same way that crypto is mysterious and elusive and have that, that mystique of it being futuristic and again, non-personal. And this just, you said it, friendly. And it feels as thus. And so even as the B2B side or the integration, it feels like it's going to be smooth as butter. And <clears throat> just the general friendliness of the writing. And it's not this b2b sales site either so it's going to stand out overall and it will be memorable so that's super cool (laughs) I (laughs) that. thank you
0: thank you i'm glad you like it
1: (laughs) so what's what's on the roadmap for the future you talked about some of the integrations and some of the other partners you've been working with what's something you're super excited about or that's coming in the next the end of this quarter in the next year or just in general
0: we want to bring this into every wallet (laughs) to us, it's such a no brainer that end users, if they, so there's two kinds of users and also two kinds of wallets, several kinds of wallets, but I would say that there's generally two types of users, those who hold tokens and they are really interested in trading, maybe holding and all these features, but there's a lot of users in this growing user base who actually send transfers peer-to-peer whether that be a few crypto bros at a conference who want to share a taxi and then pay each other back or actual salaries and actual payments with larger volumes. And in, in both of these cases, we think that abstracting away chains and wallet addresses, which is such a source of pain. And by the way, ENS, people say that ENS solves this, like it doesn't. I've had more people send me money to the wrong ENS. Then I had people mistyping the actual, the actual address, address. <laughs> <laughs> getting like a, a clipboard hijacked with the copy paste because people, yeah, mistyped the illness. You know, but yeah, long story short yeah, bring this into wallets so that wallets can benefit from this lovely feature for their end users. But also it's really nice for wallets because it I think it really helps with acquisition so. If you are a wallet, as you've witnessed at ETH Denver, it's relatively easy to get new users by just physically airdropping them. But also, you can rely on your own user base to do these kind of almost like referral codes with Pnet, right? So I think Dymo leverages that with you really well. You send someone a Dymo link, and then the main suggested way of getting your money is installing Dymo. Only the second, the secondary CTA, the second smaller button says, Hey, claim with another one. And and that's just very, very smart thing. And that's something you can do trivially with peanut links and expand your own user base. Um, Yeah. Let's onboard people to crypto and whether through apps or wallets, we just want to bring this to more people.
1: Nice. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's give some people places to come and connect with peanut. Same connecting in the discord would be a great place. To learn about more integration ideas, see some of the other case studies, as well as obviously the docs. So, good, and light us up with any of the plugs that, that you have and any events that might be coming up as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> see, where can people find Conrad specifically? And then, where can people find Peanut? Great. Yeah. So, our Discord is definitely a great place. Uh, if you have Farcaster,
0: that's the best place. Second best is Twitter. I hope to be deprecated soon. <laughs> and yeah, uh, our Discord is also a really lovely space with some stale and some not so stale memes.
1: <laughs> awesome. And then are you all doing any events before the end of this year or is it turning into holiday season at this point for you and the team? I don't think, unfortunately, there
0: are any in, in... in Europe at least or in that region. But next big one will definitely be ETH uh, Denver. So get your scarves ready, get your winter boots ready.
1: And uh, yeah, let's have some really hot peanut butter waffle <laughs> in Denver. I love that. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing you all at ETH Denver and everyone else. Uh, with that, really appreciate your time. This was a fun conversation and, you know, just really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, thank you, Rob. And really lovely interview and yeah, great chatting to you.